Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hutzel, and today I'm so happy to have in the studio Joy Harjo here. Um, all the songs you hear today will be Joy Harjo's music, um, and we're going to be talking about her latest book of poems, Conflict Resolution for Holy Beings, uh, with W.W. Norton, um, and Crazy Brave, a memoir. Um, Joy, welcome to Living Writers. Oh, it's great to be here in Ann Arbor. I think I the last time I was in Ann Arbor was about 20 years ago. What brought you 20 years ago, Joy? Uh, the Native students, the I guess American Indian Studies or Native students brought me in. Uh, I think that was I was brought here twice, and uh, and now uh, now it's the third time. <laughs> third. Yeah, it's been, but it's been over 20, 20 years, years ago. I think. Yeah. It's strange when the, like when you're able to say that, isn't it? Like those moments where you're like, it's been 20 years. Yes, it's very strange. (laughs) Had a few of those recently myself. Um, And you're here, um, you're here in Ann Arbor um, this time, Joy, for the second annual Robert F. Burkhofer Jr. Lecture in Native American Studies. Um, and, and your lecture will be taking, and we're speaking on Friday, March 10th, uh, 2017. Um, and it's an evening with Joy Harjo. Um, so thanks for coming to Ann Arbor again and for, for sharing your music and your ideas today. Um, I don't have been looking forward to it, Joy. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I understand Scott Mamaday was here a year ago. Yes. Yeah. It was. He was for the first annual, uh-huh. and and so and and your name came up when we were talking because I had a chance to talk with Scott Mamaday as well and and to hear his poems and um, and to see his talk as yes, well. Yeah. He's part of the story. Uh-huh. And, and he's also in your, um, I think he's in along with Leslie Silco, your acknowledgements uh-huh. section too. Like that, um, I think for crazy brave, maybe that it wouldn't somewhere there. Been are, possible. Always, <laughs> yeah. so, I was thinking, well, okay. Well, um, before we go any further, uh, Conflict Resolutions for Holy Beings, um, winner of the Wallace Stevens Award, is the latest book of poems, the latest collection. Um, So I'll read the bio from the back. Joy Harjo is an internationally known performer and writer of the Muskogee Creek Nation, the author of 10 books of poetry and a memoir, Crazy Brave. A critically acclaimed poet, her many honors include a Guggenheim Fellowship, the Wallace Stevens Award from the Academy of American Poets, and the American Indian Distinguished Achievement in the Arts Award. She currently lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. That sounds about right. <laughs> that's part of it. That's that's one part of this story. <laughs> that's yeah. what I feel like. That does. There's. There's. Um. There. The, we, now we have to do it justice. Like to tell more of the stories, and even then, we won't even approach the full story, um, will we? Because I almost feel like the memoir, Crazy Brave, is like on the on when you're just beginning as a poet. Yes. So then, I'm. Are, are you going to have more memoirs coming out, Joy, or are you focusing more on the music now? Because I feel like this should even say, plays the, the saxophone. <laughs> oh, yeah, they didn't even put the music in, in there. And I came to the music when I was almost 40. I started learning how to play saxophone. And, and you started with this very um, impressive sound, the King Tenor. Was it the King Super? Super yeah, King Super Tenor. <laughs> I wish that? I would have kept what? that. Oh, King, it was, a, it was a kind of brand of saxophone. And that tenor was very, they all have their qualities. Some are brash, some are... You know, a little more sophisticated, or have an attitude. It's different kinds of attitude, and and um, the king was loud. 
And that was the brash one. <laughs> yes, and it was. It was. I always wish I would have kept that horn. I started with a king super tenor, and I'm. I play uh, alto and soprano now, and and sometimes I travel. Like tonight, I'll have my soprano. I won't play a whole lot because it's. I don't have a band, and 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 so on and so forth. But um, oh, I wish you had it here today. Yeah, Could we hook up some more mics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's sitting in my hotel room. I was practicing it right before. Right before, but um, yes, I am working on another memoir, and I'm not sure the form it's going to take, but it's a historical memoir, which means um, that, I mean, who are we as human beings? We're made up of the, we come into this world, we take a breath, and we take on the story, but our, what are our memories? Our memories are the dreams of the plants, trees, animals, the dreams of our ancestors, the urge, you know, the urges we come forth as part of a, of a body, of a living body. I think the, the ancestral tree is a living body. And yes, we bring our spirit in with us. But, um, so well, you said before we went on the air, you said I'm I'm go- need to connect with Ann Arbor. This place, like it almost sounded like, I mean, you weren't talking to me. You were sort of just saying it out loud, like this. It seemed like connecting to place or so. Yes, I think so. I mean, that's I we all you know taking a taking a deep breath in a way is like connecting with place. And then when you travel, you enter into a. You go into another whole realm. It's like each city, each land, each place is another realm with different stories and and so on. So a historical memoir, you think, okay, memoir, the, even the nature, it's it's about memory. But we have the memories, the DNA's, the DNA spiral is memories, of, story memories of our ancestors, of uh, those, you know, who, you know, their it's their DNA is. It's part of our the structure of our of our force in this place. And so, when you're walking around, Joy, with the do you sometimes are you thinking of um, the DNA and the parts of you that have kind of gone before? Um, so, not only the plants and animals, but the ancestors as well. Um, because I noticed at the beginning of um, the book, the dedication. Actually, maybe it was crazy brave. Um, to the warriors of the heart, to my teachers in the east, north, west, and south, above and below. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, felt like it was also timeless, as well as all directions and space. It felt like time and... I think there's a timelessness to stories, although some... It depends. I think it depends on the kind of story. Some, if you make something just for money... If you make something, you know, just to, um, something that has no substance, it's for money or just to be famous, it's, it's going to have a few anchors in time, I think. And other things, um, you know, it's like some houses are built to last, some things are built to, um, there's certain things that will anchor themselves in, in, in memory and time. But I think we live in a kind of timelessness. I mean, if we think about the way consciousness works, it doesn't work in a linear fashion. And yet we need the linear for context and for um, starting and ending places. Appointments. 
Yeah, for appointments, yeah. <laughs> and so, and in music, I mean, and in oh, poetry, right. I mean, rhythm or and to time. Collaborate, maybe yeah. to be on each other's time. Yeah, it's anchors. We need, you know, anchors and markers. Sometimes it seems like anchors can be almost. Um, it, they can almost feel like it's something that's like could be stopping you or so or, or putting a drag on the mm-hmm. um but it's not like this is like a positive way like we need anchors so that we actually um maybe aren't like the dna spiraling mm-hmm. out but we're like we have some sort of place or this moment especially i think especially in these days where if you think of place it's for most people it's the internet or the cell phone we oh you know the cell phone becomes the place and what is that? It's this constantly moving bits of bits of information. Color lot, and light. And yeah, false. A lot of it false information. A lot of it to sell. You know, ads. Constant, constant stream of ads to sell things. Um, and when you said, so you've said a couple of times, Joy, especially in this time. Uh huh. Are you thinking also uh, politically in our own, our own, this nation? Well, it's this nation and it's the whole world because what happens here because of the nature of economics, the nature of um, of power, of perceived power, is, uh, yeah, we're in a, we've gone, I don't know, maybe it was our, maybe it's not so, maybe it's not so sudden, but it uh, it almost all makes sense given, if you look at the trajectory it almost makes sense that um we're st- we are where we are we're standing where we are but the difference many have pointed out to me because you know we all have these conversations right. <laughs> yes. right, right. is is that there are so many um like a, a good friend of mine pointed out well there were in 1923 there were more lynchings that year than any other year and he was pointing to that for what's going on now, perhaps the police violence. You know, the violence has been um, yeah, ramped up and escalated. That it's, But a difference now is that there's so many people standing up in a very conscientious, conscious, and connected kind of way. Which is the other side of the Internet and phones. I mean, there's everything has two sides, and that's the other side of it. Where we can share information in a different way. It's right. not centralized, and um, hopefully it can be democratized in a way. But, yeah, I think about also the, the borders in a different way now as well, mm-hmm. um, and and who's allowed to stay and who's whatever you feel about a place or your connect, connection to a place. Um, it might not matter and it occurs to me that that i feel like that's what you've been writing about for a very long time with people being moved from places that are theirs or that the connections are strong or sacred the the greatest irony is that the gatekeepers of the borders are immigrants you know they're descendants of immigrants Right. And they're, right. they're, you know, the gatekeepers of land that uh, doesn't belong to them. You know, you can create flags. You can uh, create laws. There's more laws 
in Indian law, there's more laws uh, enacted against our the Muscogee Creek people than any other tribe. Why? What? What? Do you... I wonder. But we were pretty. We were pretty large, and we were all over the southeast. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been wondering about that myself because I didn't even know that till a few weeks ago. But, and uh, it was was it intertribal law? Is that what no, you mean, or about gov- U.S. government, US government law? Particularly? U.S. government law against okay. against uh, our our tribe in particular. And also the then the almost one of like a, a violence of moving of like people across from the southeast to what like mm-hmm. the the west, the Oklahoma. Um, oh right, and then then coming in again and overrunning and and. Um, doing the same thing again so and it still happens you know it still happens it's going on right now it only goes on in terms it goes on in terms of there's still land theft going on there's still um and with the pipeline going through yes pipelines there's pipelines all over this country there's been right-of-way questions since the railroad and before the railroad where the companies you know american companies for the most part some of them can be from other parts of the world, but money, you can just say money lines going through, and uh, because of their power, they can take, you know, they take land, they take oil, they take uranium. Um, and again, it's perceived power. I know it's also what we believe power to be now, uh-huh. but I was st- struck when you said perceived power. Well, that gets into the question of what is power really? What is true power? And it's not, yes, you know, we can be hurt. Yes, we saw what happened up at Standing Rock. We saw all of these police agencies illegally gathered just to uh, hurt people just because, you know, that, that, um, you know, people are still, you know, in that Old West mentality, oh, let's go kill some Indians. Let's go hurt. You know, it's that it's that same mentality of rounding up, and uh, it's still there because it's never been cleaned. It's never been cleaned out of the mentality of this country. Well, I wonder what that would take. Like how that would be like a cleansing, like some sort of way. Well, because the the or would it be that the ones that need to ask know to ask for forgiveness? I don't know if forgiveness is possible. I don't. I mean, in your books, it seems possible. Well, so I feel very hopeful coming in here today. Well, it's, yeah, it's about the power of. There's a lot of power in in sitting down and hearing a story and sharing a story or songs or food with people, and really hearing them. I mean, Thanksgiving was a great idea, and that's why it took root. But it was a a, a holiday that was basically invented by. You know, for, for um, people who wanted to sell, you know, to sell a holiday is it, basically, but the idea was great. It didn't happen that way. There were, you know, massacres and this that, and the other like that. But really, the kitchen table is really, really one of the most powerful tools. And you think about it, it's the tool, it's usually the tool of the oppressed. <laughs> Okay, but let's. Yeah. So, speaking of kitchen of, of tables, children, yes. <laughs> you have just uh, today you've brought along a new recording of uh-huh. your like a new song that okay. you made at your kitchen table, yeah. right, Joy? Do, can you set us up and then Tex? Would you mind playing the the song? Yep. Okay. So, <laughs> Joy, what are we going to hear? <laughs> this is a brand new song. It's not even out yet. It's called "An American Sunrise," and it came from a poem that was just published, I think, in February in Poetry Magazine, called "Of a Golden Shell." 
shovel form. And uh, we were, several of us were asked to write these golden shovel forms using uh, Gwendolyn Brooks' poetry. So you can hear the lines of, are we real cool? <laughs> Uh, the that poem in you know the last the last words are the first or a line so from that poem but the music um Barrett Martin wonderful um musicologist ethnomusicologist drummer musician producer uh he and I were We've talked about working on an album together, and in Albuquerque about four years ago, we went into a studio and laid down tracks, and he did drums on this track, and this is, I did shakers in, uh, you know, to represent um, the, you know, in our tribe, the women were shakers for the part of the percussion. And then the kitchen table comes in, he says, well, I need, I would love to have a song for this album I'm putting out to go in this book on ethnomusicology, because, you know, I'm working on, I'm working on a project that will show how our tribe, the Muscogean people, were part of the origin story of blues and jazz. So anyway, so we started out with that. He said, well, use that, and if you can put a song together. So I used that poem because I referenced that story, and then I added, uh, I thought, cool, I have Logic Pro, but I couldn't get the sounds on my voice that I could get on the garage band. So I went and recorded uh on the garage band, I recorded the voice tracks on garage band, and then I did my horn. I liked the sound I could get on in the, that. And it was in the kitchen, right? Yeah, on and my it, kitchen table. And so I just used my computer, and then my sa- I played alto sax and uh, did my voice on the kitchen table. Let, let's hear it. We were surfacing the edge of our ancestors' fights and ready to strike. It was difficult to lose days in the Indian bar if you were straight. Easy if you played pool and drank to remember to forget. We made plans to be professional and some of us could sing. We drove to the edge of the mountains with the drums. We made sense of our beautiful, crazed lives under the starry stars. We learned the devil, the Christians, saying, We're the heathens, but needed to be saved from them. Thin chance. the dark and make us all feel like dancing make us feel like dancing make us feel like dancing make us feel like dancing hey you
Joy, that was beautiful. <laughs> and actually, it makes me feel happy and hopeful, even though there's so many serious. It's, yeah, tell me, it was so, I feel lucky that I got to listen to it with you. Thanks for, thanks for letting us play it today and premiere it. Oh, actually. cool. <laughs> well, you're welcome to use, you know, to play it. <laughs> we I, I we will. <laughs> So what, what can I ask you, though, um, what was it like for you listening to it? Because it seemed like you when were in, in your, your mind or in your body, and your body was even moving somewhat. Well, music makes me happy. I mean, it's the place. It's like writing to it at points. But, music, you know, for me, music is a way to get beyond the words. And the words, the words can be a cage, you know, but they can also free, you know, they can also free you. I think that's why I go to poetry, because when you're dealing with those words at their most fundamental level, they are like, ultimately, it is an oral art. Ultimately, all, all, every, every, even novels spring from orality. I used to think only poetry or because it's so closely related to song. If you go back to the origins of any poetry and book tradition, it's uh, it always goes back to oral traditions always. You know, I suppose even language poets, <laughs> even though it's, it's still you know, I mean, it still goes back to to the spoken or to the ear or to sound. But for me, then adding music, it just takes it to another. It's like okay, cool, we can go up to the border with these words, and these words open up borders, so to speak, and and then we can fly a little. And flying is something that is is present throughout your life. It's like one of your 
your touchstone ways of being? Yeah. Yeah, it's the ability to fly past gravity. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You yeah. past the gravity of Earth or all of our, the ways we uh, initiate suffering in the world on each other and within ourselves. I mean, we're human beings and nobody can throw a stone. You know, it's that's true. But the, the flying seems like something, so it's connected to... Um, I don't know, because it's also something, because dreams are also something that I feel it's uh, when reading Crazy Brave and Conflict uh, Resolution for Holy Beings, mm-hmm. like these are um, const- constant parts of what's part of the story or the uh, symbols. Uh. Well, they are. And I think if you look back to our, our societies, our original societies, we, you know, we uh, dream a third of our lives basically and there was a great you know the 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 oral whether it was speaking you know the orality is prized in terms of being able to speak or even having the ability to speak or to be able to not be silenced that's that's huge yeah who can speak yeah who can speak who, who has a voice and then how how you speak can you speak out of your own language you know or are you speaking a trade language that was in for you know was forced on you and then what do you do if you're in it because we wind up in situations where we have to compromise or we have to take the materials that we're given and um, find a way to make them ours and that happens with the music i think of the saxophone and how the saxophone evolved from uh, uh adolf sax in belgium making a saxophone you know with different um kinds of you know that would be great different saxophones that would be great for bands he had in in mind bands and uh he was so ahead of his time he was vilified he died penniless and and feeling like he had failed and somebody stole, I think there is patents were stolen or you, it's, you know, it was, it's a whole story. And yet, and in the newspapers, the saxophone was shown as a terrible monster or an instrument that could be used against an enemy to hit, the, you know, it was, you know, there was, oh yeah, yeah. And then it winds up, I think it found its perfect home with, um. Uh, I mean, say with my tribe, with the Creek people, because we were part of the origin story of blues and jazz, and yet we're left out. I've done so much research, too, on on that story, and so many people will stand there and say, oh, well, yeah, Charlie Parker was, yeah, he was Choctaw, or living in Choctaw lands, but, and he was Choctaw, and he, but, uh, you know, and he was one of the people, you know, a major blues uh, grandfather, or, or, you know, and, and yet we're totally left out of the story and is this is this going to be part of what your musical is about to tell this yes, part of the story it is Could you it's, talk about this the musical that you're working on yeah i have a commission for the writing of it i'm trying to get to the next stage but you know but i've started writing the songs i mean i'm always drafting i did uh, a play before and you know the rewrites it's constantly rewriting even crazy brave was constant you know, I did was a lot of rewrites. Was it like 15 years in the making? 14. 14. <laughs> I didn't mean to add bump yeah. it up another well, year. Well, it was probably 15 if you added all the time on the other, either side of it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this musical has taken a while. But 
But it's yes. to tell that story so that the, there is a voice for this story. It's to tell that story. And uh, my first thought is I was going to have to do some, you know, show all these musical numbers. And I thought, no, I'm going to tell the story of a young man from our tribe. And I would use the young woman, but men can get into more play, you know, musical places just because of the nature of being a male. You know, in our tribe, you can't sing. Uh, women only sing certain kinds of songs. You know, I mean, there's there's still, all of these. Still, though. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's there's certain songs that it doesn't mean we can't sing. There's a lot of people who sing hymns, and then the Creeks have their own way of doing it, so it becomes their own kind of art. But um, they're just in the character. It just seemed that I needed. But there's actually there's another main character, a young woman, a young Kiowa woman, who's really she's vying for the <laughs> yeah, he's vying but it's young creek man and it deals with suicide and deals with in order to find his way back after it appears that he's committed suicide in order to find his way back he's going to have to take a journey and he will take a journey back along the trail of tears back to He'll wind up back at Congo Square. But what most people don't realize is that Congo Square was originally a um, Muscogean village. So, of course, you know, the, who were the slaves were, they had fresh from their tribal people. You go where other, oh, do you hear people over there? Wow, let's go over here. Well, you know, you share music and stories, and we've been left out of the story the whole way. So this will go some ways to getting the story yes. out there in the way that it right. it always should be. And then also tell the story about, you know, natives in America. But through this young man's his story, and it's very particularly Muskogee, too. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's take a short break, and then when we come back... Um, We'll talk more. Maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about conflict resolutions for holy beings. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Today on the program, Joy Harjo is here. I'm T. Hetzel. You've got living writers. We've got text behind the glass. We'll be back. Last dance in the night is almost over. One last round under the starry sky We're all going home somewhere, somehow When it's over Okay. 
I'm T. Hetzel. Today, Joy Harjo is here. Um, Conflict resolution for holy beings is on the table with us, as is Crazy Brave. And that, uh, Joy, what was the name of the song we just heard? It's called Going Home, and it starts with uh, uh, a um, kind of how you would open up a, a, a stomp dance song. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thanks for, thanks for choosing that for today's program. Thank you. Joy. And so, so you're, you're leafing through the book right now. Um, is there a poem in here or a piece of the, the prose? Because this book is, is structured where there's, there's prose and then a poem on the facing page or the next page. What was the decision with weaving it in this, this way, like having the, the types of lyric on the page? It started out with um, the, my book, The Woman Who Fell from the Sky, and I wanted the book to be an oral event. I wanted to point out the orality of poetry even in a book. So I started there and I um and I first when I first laid it out I had this little piece and they were they were usually little prose pieces, even though a lot of people call them poetry, but they're not. They're prose pieces. And then I would have the poem and then I had a friend who read a version and she said, You shouldn't it's going to come off like you're trying to explain the poem. So put them after. And so that's how I started doing it after. And and then the next book, A Map to the Next World, I did that, but I expanded the pieces. Some of them were got quite long. And uh, then I even did the same thing within a poem, and then I did a poem in which I did the same kind of structure within the poem. And I, I did a long poem, which I went back and forth that way, and then I did a did it within a poem so that took it one direction and here i decided to do these little pieces most of them are like sax riffs that's how i think of them oh yeah as saxophone riffs because they do feel lyrical yeah so i'm going to just read some of them i lay my body down in another city another hotel room once louis armstrong and his band stayed here later the hotel fell to trash new money resurrected it under the red moon of justice i dream with the king of jazz midnight is a horn player warmed up tight for the last set 1 a.m is a drummer who knows how to lay it straight sweet 2 a.m is a guitar player who is down on his luck 3 a.m is a bass player walking the floor crazy for you 4 a.m is a singer in silk who will do anything for love 5 a.m is kept for the birds 6 a.m is the cleaning crew smoking cigarettes while they wait for the door to open 7 a.m. We're having breakfast together at the diner that never closes. 8 a.m. And we shut it down, though the clock keeps running all through the town. I was inspired by that because in the mid-80s I was living, I lived in Denver for two years. I said I would never live in Denver, and you have to watch out. That word's very powerful. But <laughs> when I, You mean never? Yeah, yes. Not Denver, right? Never. Yeah, <laughs> Denver. Uh, never. Yeah, Never. It's funny, Denver's kind of similar. Like Denver, never, yeah, yeah, the E-R. And so, yeah, that's right. There's just a couple of letters that are different there. Never Denver. That's a, that. <laughs> that's going to be a, new, a mantra coming out of today. But, but, but during, never my time, during my time in Denver, I spent most of that time going to jazz clubs. 
Oh. And so time well spent. To, yes, and it was there that I started. I picked up a horn. I fooled around with it for a while and kind of put it down, and then I pulled it back. And so was that when you were 40? Because you mentioned earlier in the program that that's when you started playing the horn was when you were 40. I was I was starting. I was picking it. I wasn't 40 yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I picked it up, and I learned the G blues scale, and I started practicing just fooling around with it. And then uh, a few years after that, it was after I left Denver, and moved to, I moved to Tucson for a little bit, and then I was back in Albuquerque, and in Albuquerque I started a band, and that's when I really started learning to play. You know, what do you think? Does was it like the out like the saxophone? It feels like it was very sim, like it was so vital to your life, and coming at that time. It's a teacher to me, and I realize, you know, I almost died twice of pneumonia, and I didn't make this connection before, but it's the a lungs? healer. Yeah, it, it probably has kept my lungs. It's healed my lungs. You know, there, there's that level of it, and then for me, it's it's like a, it's a voice. It's part of my voice, and it brought me back to singing because I used to love to sing when I was younger, and then there was a period when I was about 15, 14 when I was forbidden to sing, and I walked out of band. I was playing clarinet for a few years with no lessons. There would, we'd meet once a week at school, you know, and it would be a group kind of thing. And um, I went to so I went to junior high, and the band teacher wouldn't let me play sax. So I walked away around the time I. So you wanted to even from junior yeah, high. Yeah, yeah. There was something about the instrument that you felt. Connected. Well, yeah, I love the sound of it. I mean, it sounds like a human... To me, it, it sounds like a human voice. I mean, it is. You could make that case for a lot of... But especially, I think, winds and strings. And, uh, hang on. Yeah, for winds and strings. So... Uh, so, yeah, I had walked away from it. And so when you play a horn, you can't... You can't hide behind a book when you're playing a horn. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> So it took me, it's, it's been a great teacher of mine. The sad thing was I learned to play saxophone in public because I was going around performing and I'd pull out my sax and to get over fear. And um, it was quite a journey, but uh, I learned all kinds of lessons. I could do a, a whole course on uh, um, getting over stage fright. What are, yeah. what are do you have some back pocket tips right now to give the ultimate thing the, what finally did it was if I just listen to the music I'm okay just listen to the music and I think that works now I mean I know that a lot of us we've been going people have been having panic ta- attacks and it's been really hard because our world the world as we knew it was probably never quite as we knew it it was probably more like we're seeing you know come into power now but uh, you know, where's the music? The music's always going to lead us to the, you know, what what is the music? Well, the trees have their own music. The earth has a kind of music. There's different uh, music. There's different rhythms with different clouds. And you know, if you listen, everybody has their own song. If you just stop and listen, so that helps. If you listen, and then listening to music, you know, listening to radio stations and listening to. You know, that always put, kind of puts you back together. I guess even if you're listening to heavy metal out there, whatever, it, I guess it rearranges you in a different kind of way. But for me, it's about that. That was a big thing. And and, and making making the stage 
a place, my place, not a place where I was an outcast, but a place. And we do that. I think people, we do that a lot to ourselves. And and is I think if you make you know belong to a moment where you are right now or belong to it, you know it's. So that was that's what I had. That's what I learned. Are you gonna? Is there another one that do you wanted to read, Joy? Oh, let's see. I have all these little pieces here. The day went on as it always had, though we fought the government's troops in that crook of the river that had given us much pleasure. The sun kept moving, as did the clouds. The the birds, however, were silent. They could not comprehend the violence of humans. I was trying to find a funny one here. <laughs> Here's the first horn I played was a King Super Tenor saxophone. My then lover, a horn player, wrote out the G Blues scale for me, and I began there in the heartache of the Americas. In that scale are ships from Africa and Europe. In it are my people dancing in a widening spiral beneath circles of star nebula, giving birth to the swing. I walked up and down that scale, past babies crying in the night for milk, lovers waking in the dawn for more. And you said this this saxophone is the brash one, and I love that that's the one you started with. Oh yeah, on the stage was the brash <laughs> one with that voice. Oh and, yeah, and it would sing, and so you were singing on stage with, with. Yeah, it taught me how to sing. I don't know that I was singing very much at first, but. But well, in your poems, always. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking with me today, Joy. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank Loved you. It. You're great. Um, and come back anytime. Okay. <laughs> and thanks for bringing the music. Um, and so we'll be going out on the last song. Um, I think it's, is it the one? Equinox. Is it, is it Equinox? Is it Equinox? Yes. Um, wonderful. So thanks everyone out there for listening. Um, many, many thanks um, to Joy Harjo, who is here at the University of Michigan for the third time. We're so lucky for the second annual Robert F. Burkhofer Junior Lecture in Native American Studies. And today we've been talking about um, Joy's memoir, Crazy Brave and her latest book of poems, Conflict Resolution for Holy Beings. Um, Read this book, everybody. Um, It's uh, going to give you hope, I think. Thanks for listening. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time. story by force If I do I will find a war club in my hand And the smoke of grief staggering toward the sun Your nation dead beside you Walking away, though it has been out.
an eternity And from each drop of blood Each one Springs up sons and daughters And trees I'm Joy Harjo and this is A Map to the Next World. In the last days of the fourth world, I wish to make a map for those who would climb through the hole in the sky. My only tools were the desires of humans as they emerged from the killing fields, from the bedrooms and the kitchens. For the soul is a wanderer with many hands and feet. The map must be made of sand and can't be read by ordinary light. It must carry fire to the next tribal town for renewal of spirit. In the legend are instructions on the language of the land and how it was we forgot to acknowledge the gift as if we were not it or of it. Take note of the proliferation of supermarkets and malls, the altars of money. They best describe the detour from grace. Keep track of the errors of our forgetfulness. The fog steals our children while we sleep. Flowers of rage spring up in the depression. Monsters are born there of nuclear anger. Trees of ashes wave goodbye to goodbye, and the map appears to disappear. We no longer know the names of the birds here or how to speak to them by their personal names. Once. We knew everything in this lush promise. What I am telling you is real and is printed in a warning on the map. Our forgetfulness stalks us, walks the earth beside us, leaving a trail of paper diapers, needles, and wasted blood. An imperfect map will have to do, little one. The place of entry is the sea of your mother's blood, your father's small death as he longs to know himself in another. There is no exit. The map can be interpreted through the wall of the intestine, a spiral on the road of knowledge. You will travel through the membrane of death, smell cooking from the encampment where our relatives make a feast of fresh deer meat and corn soup in the Milky Way. They have never left us. We abandon them for science. And when you take your next breath, as we enter the fifth world, there will be no X, no guidebook with words you can carry. You will have to navigate by your mother's voice. Renew the song she is singing. Fresh courage glimmers from planets and lights the map printed with the blood of history, a map you will have to know by your intention by the language of sons. When you emerge, note the tracks of the monster slayers where they entered the cities of artificial light and killed what was killing us. You will see red cliffs. They are the heart, contain the ladder. A white deer will come to greet you when the last human climbs from the destruction. We were never perfect, yet, the journey we make together is perfect on this earth, who was once a star and made the same mistakes as humans. We might make them again, she said. Crucial to finding the way is this. 
There is no beginning or end. And you must make your own map. This poem is called Running. It's a poem from my most recent book of poetry, An American Sunrise. Running. It's closing time. Violence is my boyfriend with a cross to bear. Hoisted on by the church, he wears it everywhere. There are no female deities in the Trinity. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here, said the flying fish to the tree. Last call. We've had it with history. We who look for vision here in the Indian and poetry bar somewhere to the left of hell. Now I have to find my way when there's a river to cross and no boat to get me there when there appears to be no home at all. My father gone, chased by the stepfather's gun. Get out of here. I found my father at the bar. His ghost, at least some piece of him in this sorry place. The boyfriend's convincing to a crowd. Right now, he's the spell of attraction. What tales he tells in the fog of thin hope. I wonder this sad world we've made with the enemy's words. The lights quiver like they do when the power's dwindling to a dangling string. It's time to go home. We are herded like stoned cattle, like children for the bombing drill. Out the door into the dark street of this old Indian town, where there are no Indians anymore. I was afraid of the dark because then I could see everything. The truth with its eyes staring back at me. The mouth of the dark with its shiny moon teeth. No words, just a hiss and a snap. I could hear my heart hurting with my in-the-dark ears. I thought I could take it. Where is the party? It's been a century since we left home with the American soldiers at our backs. The party had long started up in the parking lot. He flew through the dark, broke my stride with a punch. I went down and came up. I thought I could take being a girl with her heart in her arms. I carried it for justice, for the rights of all Indians. We all have that cross to bear. Those old ones followed me, the quiet girl with the long dark hair, the daughter of a warrior who wouldn't give up. I wasn't ready yet to fling free the cross. I ran and I ran through the 2 a.m. streets. It was my way of breaking free. I was anything but history. I was the wind. This poem is Perhaps the World Ends Here, or the Kitchen Table Poem. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners, they scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. We make men at it, we make women. At this table, we gossip, recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor falling down selves. And as we put ourselves back together once again at the kitchen table, this table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. 
At this table we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. My name is Joy Harjo and this poem, this poem is called Grace. I think of wind and her wild ways. Year we had nothing to lose and lost it anyway. In the cursed country of the fox, we still talk about that winter, how the cold froze imaginary buffalo on the stuffed horizon of snowbanks. The haunting voices of the starved and mutilated broke fences crashed our thermostat dreams and we couldn't stand it one more time. So once again, we lost a winter in stubborn memory walked through cheap apartment walls, skated through fields of ghosts into a town that never wanted us in the epic search for grace. Like coyote, like rabbit, we could not contain our terror and clowned our way through a season of false midnights. We had to swallow that town with laughter so it would go down easy as honey. And one morning, as the sun struggled to break ice and our dreams had found us with coffee and pancakes in a truck stop along Highway 80, we found Grace. I could say Grace was a woman with time on her hands or a white buffalo escaped from memory. But in that dingy light, it was a, pro but in that dingy light, it was a promise of balance. We once again understood the talk of animals. And spring was lean and hungry with the hope of children and corn. I would like to say with grace, we picked ourselves up and walked into the spring thaw. We didn't. The next season was worse. You went home to Leech Lake to work with the tribe and I went south and wind. I am still crazy. I know there is something larger than the memory of a dispossessed people. We have seen it. An American sunrise. We were running out of breath as we ran to meet ourselves. We were surfacing the edge of our ancestors' fights and ready to strike. It was difficult to lose days in the Indian bar if you were straight, easy if you played pool and drank to remember to forget. We made plans to be professional and did, and some of us could sing. When we drove to the edge of the mountains with a drum, we made sense of our beautiful crazed lives under the starry stars. Sin was invented by the Christians as was the devil we sang. We were the heathens but needed to be saved from them. Thin chance. We knew we were all related in this story. A little gin will clarify the dark and make us all feel like dancing. We had something to do with the origins of blues and jazz. I argued with the music as I filled the jukebox with dimes in June. Forty years later, and we still want justice. We are still America. We. Thank you, Gwendolyn Brooks. <laughs> I'm going to read Sunrise. This is a kind of, I could have, I could say, I wrote this poem after the pandemic, but I didn't, and the pandemic's still here. <laughs> I wrote it after one of those moments and times and we all go through challenges 
And this is after going through one of those challenges that keeps you up all night with questioning and wandering, wandering and wondering. And you, the sun comes out and you know that you're still alive and you will go on. Sunrise. Sunrise. As you enter, sunrise. As you enter the houses of everyone here, find us. We've been crashing for days, or has it been years? Find us beneath the shadow of this yearning mountain crying here. We have been sick with sour longings and the jangling of fears. Our spirits rise up in the dark because they hear doves in cottonwoods calling forth the sun. We struggled with the monster and lost. Our bodies were tossed in the pile of kill. We were ashamed and we told ourselves for a thousand years, we didn't deserve anything but this. And one day in relentless eternity, our spirits discern movement of prayers carried toward the sun. And this morning we are able to stand with all the rest and welcome you here. We move with the lightness of being and we will go where there's a place for us. I'm Joy Harjo. This song we're going to do is, um, it's, a, it's a land acknowledgement song. And what it's saying is that uh, we acknowledge the keepers, the original keepers of these lands. Right now we're coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Muscogee Creek Reservation, and also lands of the Osage, the Cherokee, and um, many people. This has been a place of history, of uh, some painful history, some beautiful history, and we're all here together. And we're all charged with being keepers of this land, of this place. And music is one way to be a keeper. listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. You are tuned into Drum Break. I'm your host DJ Free Jazz. The next half hour I'm going to be spinning some intelligent DMB jungle. Whatever, we'll keep it chill. Stay tuned. <laughs> 